Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chapter One Podcast. Uh, the featured title for this episode is Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. So without further ado, Carry On, The Rise and Fall of Simon Snow, Rainbow Rowell. For Laddie and Rosie, may you fight your own battles and forge your own wings. Book One. Chapter One. Simon. I walk to the bus station by myself. There's always a fuss over my paperwork when I leave. All summer long, we're not even allowed to walk to the Tesco's without a chaperone and permission from the Queen. Then, in the autumn, I just sign myself out of the children's home and go. He goes to a special school, one of the office ladies explains to the other when I leave. They're sitting in a plexiglass box, and I slide my papers back to her through a slot in the wall. It's a school for dire offenders, she whispers. The other woman doesn't even look up. It's like this every September, even though I'm never in the same home care in the same care home twice. The mage fetched me for school himself the first time, when I was eleven. But the next year, he told me I could make it to Watford on my own. You've slain a dragon, Simon. Surely you can manage a long walk and a few buses. I hadn't meant to slay that dragon. It wouldn't have hurt me, I don't think. I still dream about it sometimes. The way the fire consumed it from the inside out, like a cigarette burn eating a piece of paper. I get to the bus station, then eat a mint arrow while I wait for my first bus. There's another bus after that, then a train. Once I'm settled onto the train, I try to sleep with my bag in my lap, and my feet propped up on the seat across from me. But a man a few rows back won't stop watching me. I feel his eyes crawling up my neck. Could just be a pervert. Or police. Or it could be a bounty hunter who knows about one of the prices on my head. It's a bounty hunter, I said to Penelope the first time we fought one. No, bounty hunter, she replied. Short for bone teeth. That's what they get to keep if they catch you. I change carriages and don't bother trying to sleep again. The closer I get to Watford, the more restless I feel. Every year, I think about jumping from the train and spelling myself the rest of the way to school, even if it puts me in a coma. I could cast a hurry-up on the train, but that's a chancy spell at the best of times, and my first few spells out of the school year are always especially dicey. I'm supposed to practice during the summer, small, predictable spells when no one's looking, like turning on night lights or changing apples to oranges. Spell your buttons and laces clothes, Mrs. Possibelf suggested, that sort of thing. I only ever wear one button, I told her, then blushed when she looked down at my jeans. Then use your magic for household chores, she said. Wash the dishes, polish the silver. I didn't bother telling Miss Possibelf that my summer meals are served on disposable plates and that I eat with plastic cutlery, forks and spoons, never knives. I also didn't bother to practice my magic this summer. It's boring and pointless, and and it's not like it helps. Practicing doesn't make me a better magician. It just sets me off. Nobody knows why my magic is the way it is, why it goes off like a bomb instead of flowing through me like a fucking stream, or or however it works for everybody else. I don't know, Penelope said when I asked her how magic feels for her. I suppose it feels like a well inside me, so deep I can't see or even imagine the bottom. But instead of sending down buckets, I just think about drawing it up. And then it's there for me, as much as I need, as long as I stay focused. Penelope always stays focused. Plus, she's powerful. Agatha isn't. Not as, anyway. And Agatha doesn't like to talk about her magic. 
But once, at Christmas, I kept Agatha up until she was tired and stupid, and she told me that casting a spell felt like flexing a muscle and keeping it flexed. Like Crosa Devant, she said. You know? I shook my head. She was lying on a wolfskin rug in front of the fire, all curled up like a pretty kitten. It's ballet, she said. It's like I just hold position as long as I can. Baz told me that for him, it's like lighting a match, or pulling a trigger. He hadn't meant to tell me that. It was when we were fighting the chimera in the woods during our fifth year. It had us cornered, and Baz wasn't powerful enough to fight it alone. The mage isn't powerful enough to fight a a chimera alone. Do it, Snow! Baz shouted at me. Do it! Fucking unleash! Now! I can't, I tried to tell him. It doesn't work like that. It bloody well does! I can't just turn it on, I said. Try. I can't, damn it! I was waving my sword around. I was pretty good with a sword already at fifteen, but the chimera wasn't corporeal, which is my rough luck, pretty much always. As soon as you start carrying a sword, all your enemies turn out mist and gossamer. Close your eyes and light a match, Baz told me. We were both trying to hide behind a rock. Baz was casting spells, one after another. He was practically singing them. What? That's what my mother used to say, he said. Light a match inside your heart, then blow on the tinder. It's always fire with Baz. I can't believe he hasn't incinerated me yet, or burned me at the stake. He used to like to threaten me with a Viking's funeral, back when we were third years. Do you know what that is, Snow? A flaming pyre set adrift on the sea. We could do yours in Blackpool so all your chavvy normal friends can come. Sawed off, I'd say, and try to ignore him. I'd never even had any normal friends, chavvy or otherwise. Everyone in the normal world steers clear of me if they can. Penelope says they sense my power and instinctively shy away, like dogs who won't make eye contact with their masters. Not that I'm anyone's master, that's not what I meant. Anyway, it works the opposite with magicians. They love the smell of magic. I have to try hard to make them hate me. Unless they're Baz. He's immune. Maybe he's built up a tolerance to my magic, having shared a room with me every term for seven years. That night, we were fighting the chimera. Baz kept yelling at me until I went off. We both woke up a few hours later in a blackened pit. The boulder we'd been hiding behind was dust, and the chimera was vapor. Or maybe it was just gone. Baz was sure I'd singed off his eyebrows, but he looked fine to me. Not a hair out of place. Typical. So that is the first chapter of Rainbow Rowell's novel, Carry On, which I just finished reading yesterday. It is absolutely brilliant. Oh my goodness. This, oh, it was so good. So I've heard of Rainbow Rowell before. Uh, she, I actually met her when she was at LeakyCon in Portland, when it was still LeakyCon, before it became GeekyCon. But anyways, I hadn't read any of her books at the time, but she seemed like a really cool person, and I was really excited to meet her. And she's always just sort of like been on my radar since I know that a lot of people really enjoy her books. So when I heard that, when I like realized that she had a book that was more fantasy, because that's like kind of my that's my wheelhouse. Um, when I heard she had a book that was fantasy and also had like a super gay love interest, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, yes, just a thousand times, yeah. So I bought, I impulse bought it completely last week, and then just started reading it right away. And let me tell you, it did not disappoint. It has a bit of a slow start, I will give it that, but it's at no time not entertaining. Um, Simon and Penelope have wonderful banter, Agatha has wonderful banter, and then when you get Baz back, it's just, it's just banter all the time, and just wonderful levels of comedy and thoughtfulness, and just, 
It's great. I could not recommend this book higher. It's it's one of those books that I think is going to stay with me for a really long time. Um, I feel like it's going to have amazing reread value. Um, but yeah, but anyways, I guess a little bit more about the book, since it was a pretty short first chapter. The magical system that Rainbow Rowell came up with is so clever. So obviously, as you can kind of tell from the start, uh, Carry On is... Uh, it It's... How do I describe this? It tackles sort of the chosen one trope. The whole magical school. Oh, I'm the chosen one. I have to defeat the big evil. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the the typical really good story. Like Harry Potter or um, Percy Jackson. That kind of stuff. Like I And don't get me wrong. I love those kind of stories. And it's obvious from this book that like Rainbow Rowell also really enjoys them. But this is kind of a book. It, it tackles a lot of the tropes. And it sets a lot of things on their heads. Um, A, in the fact that it's starting just with the last year of school. There's no like lead up for the previous years at all. It's just we're starting with year seven. You hear all of these, like like they make allusions to all the exploits that they had in their previous years, like the fighting, the chimera, the slaying of the dragon, all that kind of stuff. But this book is strictly like set. We're going to go last year, final year, the big final battle. And you'd think that that would make it seem sort of hard to follow or weird, but Rainbow Rowell handles it perfectly. You get the characters, you understand their motivations. She just builds them so quickly and so well that you don't realize you've only been with them for a book. You feel like you've been with them for so much longer, which is phenomenal. You don't, uh, it's just so well done. But yeah, so you have this like magical system that reads like it's been around for like multiple multiple books and yet Raoul manages to characterize it and invent it sort of in the space of this one novel um, which I realize that technically this novel is a little bit meta if you've read other Rainbow Rowell books which I haven't but I definitely plan on reading them now uh, Carry On deals with char- with characters from Fangirl yeah Fangirl that the protagonist of Fangirl wrote fan fiction about. So they're fictional characters from a book. So they're fictional, fictional characters, I guess, is what it is. But now they're just fictional characters. It's wonderfully meta. I love meta. It makes it a lot more fun. But yeah, so I guess you probably have like a little bit more of their backstory and that kind of stuff if you read Fangirl. But un- like I had never read Fangirl, and I still enjoyed it oh so very much. But yeah, so the magical system is super intriguing because it pulls off of pop culture in a really interesting way. It's always interesting to see how when you're doing sort of like urban fantasy or magical realism series or whatever you want to call it, um, that you get, like you have to sort of establish like how your like wizards or witches or people of magic interact with like the non-magical population. And the way that like Raoul tackles it is the idea that it's, the like the normal the non-magicals favorite phrases or cliches or catchphrases or song lyrics or movie quotes that end up becoming spells that the magicians then use to cast spells and stuff which is just so cool and it allows for a lot of really fun sort of tongue-in-cheek references to other things um and so it's really really entertaining in that sense um, it's a lot of fun, and just the way she built that magic system was really, really clever. And I like it was so cool how you get like it's a switching perspective kind of book, which I also really love. And like Raoul did really, really well in this. 
Um, but yeah, so it's a switching perspective. So you get to sort of see how each of the different characters interacts with that language, interacts with that magic system, what they think of sort of this world that they're living in. Um, and it's really cool because all the characters have very different relationships with this world and very different relationships with each other. And it's just, oh, it's so well done. And it's just so entertaining. I love, like, there's a chapter that basically call like, like, is calls out the Bechdel test within itself as it's fulfilling all of the requirements of the Bechdel test, which was just, I love just the fact that she put that in there. I thought it was great and really exciting and just funny. But, and so, yeah, it's like, it's, like I said before, it's a very meta book and it's a really enjoyable meta book because while it's like, ooh, we're doing cool things, it's, it's never taking itself too seriously. It's always just having a really good time telling a really interesting, fun story that like is at time serious. There's a lot of like big things that happened in this book. There's a lot of issues that like Raoul is sort of addressing and talking about from like, uh, like the queer angle from just this idea of being an outsider from being raised in like the foster system, um, all that kind of stuff or like dealing with like parents that have different expectations, not understanding how to explain expectations, communication, all that kind of stuff. And so like that part was really well done. I really like the ending. It's it's sort of a bittersweet ending, but it's just still like it makes sense. Like it fits the book really, really well. I love how she tied the title into it. She ties it in a few places and it's just oh my god, it like it it's one of those where it like guts you each time that it ties in because it's like she ties it in a few different ways. If you think like, oh wow, like this is so good, like the way she tied it in, and then she does it a little while later, and you're like, oh my god, like that's what wasn't expecting this, and then you get to the ending, and you're like, ah, and you just kind of melt into a puddle on the floor, which is a really fun time. But yeah, so this is going to be a shorter episode of the podcast, just because the chapter was a bit shorter. And I'm talking kind of fast because I really like this book. So that's what happens when I really like something is I start talking a little bit too fast. Um, I apologize for the slight delay. Um, I was really busy. I just convocated from my undergraduate degree. So that took up a few days, which was a lot of fun. Um, I was reading this book, which was, again, also amazing. So I wasn't really sure. wasn't Didn't really know what other book I wanted to pick. But yeah, so in terms of... What I'm reading right now, obviously, I just finished Carry On, which, again, fantastic. Please buy it, read it, love it, live it. Um, And then, because I can't get enough of gay wizards in Britain, I decided to just go in and read uh, Half Lost, which is the third book in Sally Green's uh, trilogy. It starts with Half Bad, and then it goes Half Wild, I believe. I think it's Half Wild. I can't quite see it on my shelf. But yeah, Half Bad is definitely the first one. Um, And then Half Lost is the third one. And wow, for being being like a book like or a, like a series or a book set about gay wizards in the UK they could not be more different in terms of tone <laughs> uh carry on is very much sort of like poking fun a little bit at itself but also just having a really good time and it's a lo- it's very humorous and snarky and that kind of stuff and i'm not saying half bad isn't snarky at times cuz it is there's a lot of really good sarcasm and quips but it is way darker like holy it is dark it is gritty um as like one of the blurbs about it says it says this will haunt you and they're not they're not wrong 
Um, but yeah, so I just started reading that one. I'm trying to remember what happened in the first two because I read them. I believe it was a whole summer. It was like over a year ago that I read the first two. So the story's a little bit rusty. I'm kind of taking my time. I might go back and like pay- flip through the earlier books just so I can kind of like find my footing again. Um, but yeah, so those books are really good. I'm excited to read those ones and cleaning out my bookshelf a bit, getting rid of some books that I either have read and enjoyed but not necessarily rereading or books I couldn't quite get into. So I'm going to let someone else sort of find them and see if they speak to them because they didn't quite speak to me. But yeah, so I hope Wherever you are, it is lovely, and you're in a happy place. And if you're not in a happy place, I hope you can take a recommendation of one of my books to help put you in a happy place. Um, If you don't want to be in a happy place, you can read a sad book, and it, it can help you cathart. I'm a big fan of catharting. But, yeah, I hope wherever you are, the world is treating you kindly. So with that... Don't forget to be awesome and have a great day. This has been a Chapter One podcast. The intro and outro music is the song Happy Go Lucky by Scott Holmes and is used under the Creative Commons license.